it's time for a round of Tom and Tyler Talk Boxing. Get ready as they enter the ring with their microphones. Hello and welcome to the second edition of Tom and Tyler Talk Boxing. We're back here at the World Class Boxing Gym with Mr. Tommy Antello. How you doing today? Hey, how you doing, Tyler? Very good. Um, so it's been a couple weeks since we had our first episode. Um, you had a fight uh, since then, an amateur fight on the uh, Rivers card. Uh, how'd that go? That was a good fight. Uh, I had Danny Bodish. He fought uh, Adil Mason from Cleveland. Uh, Adil was... Uh, he lost, I believe, in the second round of the National Golden Gloves, and he was the Cleveland Golden Glove champion. Very good little boxer, slick little boxer. Um, Southpaw, remind you a little bit of a, you know, I mean, surely not the caliber, at least not yet, but probably never. But Pernell Whitaker, I mean, he liked to box like that. It was Southpaw move. And, uh, but... Uh, uh, good fight. Danny, Danny just uh, got started a little too late. The third round was the round that Danny basically did what I wanted him to do, was to turn it into a real street fight, basically, because, you know, this kid was a good boxer. So the first two rounds, Danny tried to box, and the, and the kid outpointed him. And then in the third round, I felt like Danny won the round pretty big, but it was just a little bit uh, a little too late. And uh, if he got started early, I, think he I definitely think he would have won that fight. Um, and Danny's, I think Danny has a ton of potential. I mean, he's one of those guys that I try to tell him that, you know, you're not going to always outbox everybody, but, you know, the bottom line is you got to find a way to win. And, uh, you know, like Rocky Marciano, all the guys he boxed and beat weren't better boxers than him. <laughs> they were all better boxers than him. It was will and conditioning and determination. And, and uh, Danny has a very good skill set. I mean, he really does. Um, but at the same time, you're still there's going to be fights where you know it's like Julio Cesar Chavez fought Whitaker. It's a, tough, it's a very tough style matchup. You know, st styles make fights, and those guys are very slick. And and uh, you know, even like in that fight, you know, Chavez had a very difficult time with Whitaker, and he needed to put uh, even more pressure and bought, cut the ring off better and go to the body. And you know, a three round fight like uh, an amateur fight that goes like that, you're you're really going to have to put a lot of pressure, and you're going to have to really go you know, downstairs as soon as the bell rings and you have to try to slow the kid down. And, you know, even little tricks that I teach Danny on the inside. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta use dirty tricks to slow the guy down. But, um, you know, that's the thing. You're just not gonna be able to outbox everybody. You, you, gotta, you gotta know how to uh, turn things into a dog fight. And if it's, it, sometimes it can be ugly, uh, but you win. You, you find a way to win. Yeah, that's all matters. So, that's the bottom line. So he's, he's more of a, uh, he's more of a boxer, he's a boxer. Um, no, I mean, he really, he really, that's the thing about it. I mean, I, I think he's trying to, uh, you know, be a well-rounded guy and, 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 and master, you know, boxing. But he's, he's actually a, a really a strong pressure fighter. I mean, he's okay. like a, I mean, he, he has a very good pressure style. I mean, uh, I took him to the uh, Western Trial Nationals and our first fight he fought a kid I feel like he was the caliber of uh, Adil Mason and Danny, maybe maybe a little less, but not much. And Danny won that fight with pure pressure, cutting the ring off, banging the body, getting the kid. I, I just think that uh, almost, like a, almost like a mental block, I think he kind of was just looking to uh, 
looking to look, at the same time, I try to tell them, I said, you're trying to worry about how you look, looking too pretty. Yeah. And, and like I said, a lot of these guys, I mean, Dan, Danny loves watching uh, Vasily Limonchenko and learn how to be, a, you know, so, I mean, everybody does, right? And, uh, uh, me as well. I mean, I, I love them as well. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you get caught in trying to, trying to be, uh, trying to be slick when you, when that's not the game, that's not, the, that's not going to be the strategy for every, every guy. Sometimes you have to make adjustments as you go along. There are certain guys where you're really going to have to make an adjustment. I mean, you, you can't, uh, you know, I mean, there's guys that are just slick guys out there and, and, and that doesn't mean that you can't, if you, if you're a well-rounded fighter, you find a way to win. You know, it's like, um, I mean, look at Andre Ward, how many times he, tra he changed his style to win fights. Right. I mean, he changed his style to win fights. He would box when he had to box, and then he and then he would go. Look when he fought that kid, Alan Green. He just went to, right to his chest and fought him up. If you can remember that fight when on Showtime, he went to his chest and just went on the inside and just turned it into a dogfight. Even even you know being rough on the inside, grabbing and hitting, using his head. I mean, he totally turned. I mean, when you watch the Super Six, he fought a lot of those guys different. You know, he made some adjustments in those fights. And that's what I mean. Danny just didn't uh, – he, he hasn't found himself to the point where he realizes, you know, wh how, what, how to make adjustments yet, you know, and how to fight certain guys certain ways. Because uh, he does have a well-rounded skill set. He really does. I think his strong suit is being a pressure fighter. So in that fight, he needed to use his strong suit, and he tried to use basically uh, – you know, he's like I said, he's in this gym with me, and we're starting to work together, and he's learning a lot of good boxing skills. And um, we watch a lot of films of a variety of different guys because I want them to be well-rounded. I, I like my guys to be well-rounded so they can make adjustments. Um, but at the same time, using their strong suit, just like Keontae, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push him to be the long, tall fighter, uh, you know, 95% of the time. Uh, right, as he should. And, uh, you know, but if a fight becomes an inside fight, I want him to be able to handle himself in there as well. I just don't want him to be a guy that's just going to be like Klitschko or Lennox Lewis and just grab you. Just grab, but uh, Dan, Danny Strong suit is going to be, uh, from what I see, is going to is going to be more of a pressure fighter for sure. Uh, he does, he's going to definitely develop good boxing skill. He already has a good uh, boxing skill set. Uh, his strong suit is being more of a, a pressure guy, but uh, he's going to have some good boxing skills as well as well, and they're going to keep continue to develop. But I think uh, at the highest level. Uh, I think he's at the highest level is where, I, like I said, I always, that's always my agenda when I, when I take a guy on is I want him to be able to be a national champion and be a guy that has the potential to be, you know, a world-class pro. So at that, being at a world-class pro, I think he's going to have to be more of a pressure fighter. He's going to be like a, you know, like a Gennady Glovkin, and I don't know if he's going to have the, the, the knockout punching power at the lighter weights like that, but he's definitely going to be a guy that's going to put more pressure on you. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be like a Pernell Whitaker or, you know, a Sugar Ray Leonard boxing type, more like a Duran or, or a Chavez, or that kind of style, you know. So basically someone with a good learning experience for Very good, yeah. Very good. Yeah, I mean, we went over it and over, and I told him, I said, you know, it's all about finding a way to win. You, need, you get three rounds, and you, you were out there trying to look like, you know, trying to think you could outbox the kid and basically worried about how you were going to look because he was telling me after the second round, because he started to be more aggressive, but he felt like he was being sloppy, but he was being effective. Yeah. I said, I don't care if you're sloppy or not. You're getting, you're, 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 you're producing. You're, getting, you're becoming more effective. You're being effective. You are getting to the guy. You need to turn it up this round, no matter if it's sloppy or not. This guy can't handle your pressure, and he can't handle your body punches. 
He really can't handle it. He, you're stronger than him. You have to impose your strength. He went out in the third round. He didn't worry about being sloppy. He was just all over the kid. He had to throw some shots where they were looking a little unorthodox. He was actually, he was actually, um, he was switching from southpaw to righty when he was cutting the ring off. He was doing uh, that what they call a shifting. You know, he was shifting and he was moving. And he was throwing some hooks from different from unorthodox angles. But he was being, but he was being effective. And I told him, that's, it doesn't matter. He come back after the third round. I was saying, that's the way you said, well, I was so sloppy. You were sloppy, but that was the round that you dominated. Yeah. So you have to, you know, sometimes you have to take the, you know, it's not about looking good. It's about, you know, winning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He does a very good. Yeah. Shifts real nice. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of a two-part question. Do you think, you know, body shots, things like that, do they get – because even in the pros, sometimes you don't get credit for that. Do you feel like in the amateurs you get credit for that? And do you kind of, you know, if a kid you know wants to go past an amateur, do you try to set him up with a style of transition? Or when you're you in the amateurs, you're just worried about that amateur style? Yeah, um – I think the body shots are more uh, – I think the body shots count more than they did before when they had the computer scoring because it was hard to see body shots. It was a – what, one – It was you a – You had to hit a button within – Yeah, it was five judges, and three had to agree with on a punch within a second. So the odds on seeing a body shot were harder because you, you, had, you had five judges, and they had a red button, a blue button, so they had to press the button within a second – Three of them had to agree within a second out of the five that it was a point. So body shots were very uh, – it was high odds to get three guys to agree. So the headshots that knocked – straight headshots that knocked your head back, and that was the thing, straight shots, because even hooks, certain angles from the ring, you weren't able to see it. Straight shots. So before it was a – it was a head contest, and it was a head shootout. It, it developed guys who were accurate and become, become real killers to the head, but – uh, it didn't make them a well-rounded fighter to go into the body. So now it's a little bit more. I think they count. I think they're able to see him. They judge it differently. It's more like the pro style. It's back on, you know, it's back on the scorecards. There's no computer scoring. So I think the body shots are – but, you know, the bottom line is, yes, I do try to transition my guys into being – I mean, I look for them to be world-class pros. So you have to develop that uh, as you go in the amateurs. And um, – I still think like there's certain styles and there's certain guys that that has to be part of their arsenal even in a three round fight because uh, for example that fight there I mean you have to really work one or the first one round and maybe a round and a half to break the guy down so you can win the second half of the, the second half of the fight even though it's a three round fight that first four and a half minutes it's got to be a lot of body work to slow that kid slow that guy down uh, even if it, the, for whatever reason you're not getting the credit. I think that uh, in this fight, that kind of style, that is a very difficult fight for uh, a guy like Danny to win in the amateurs because he only does have three rounds. That's a fight where he breaks the guy down in three or four rounds and starts to get him in the, the second half of an eight-round fight. You know what I mean? But, but uh, at the same time, I just think you have to develop that in your arsenal. Uh, it's not just about uh, – uh, not just because, you know, developing them as – transitioning them as professionals – 
But I, I think it's got to be a strategy in winning a fight in, in certain styles because uh, you're just not going to hit these guys to the head. I mean, he's a kid's very difficult to hit to the head. He's a very slick kid. He's moving his head. Uh, he's got upper, great upper body movement. So, you know, the body does not move. The head does. So yeah. it's really basically where you have to target so you can come back and set up headshots. If you don't go to the body, you're just not, you're never going to get to that head, whether, whether the judges are seeing it or not down the line in, the, in that fight and in that round, you're not going to be effective to hit the guy in the head if you don't go to the body to set them headshots up. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And like you said, there's just some fighters that, you know, they're not going to have the amateur success as, you know, let's talk about Marciano before. He was an awful right. amateur. Right. No, you know, turned pro 49-0, won the world title. So, right. like right. you said, uh, the pressure guys too, like you said, that's hard. You only got the three rounds. It is hard. It's, you know. It is hard. That's a, that's a tough style. Uh, so, to transition from that, um, we'll, we're going to uh, stay here with stuff that's going on in the gym. Um, you have a MMA fighter uh, yeah. you're working with. What's his name? Uh, Danello Villafort. He's fighting in the PFL, uh, the Pro Fighters League, if you're unaware of that. It's a tournament style. They fight, is it three, two or three times? They will fight twice, and they have a regular season. It's going on right now on NBC Sports Network. There was actually one last night. There was one last night, right. And they will fight twice. Uh, and then uh, they will fight twice. It started in June. I mean, this month, I believe June 5th was the first day. Yeah. Then they had one last night, and it will go through September. They will have all the weight classes fighting. Every guy, there's 12 guys in each weight class, and the guys will fight twice. And then from a point system, from wins, knockouts. I think it's if you win a first round knockout, six points. Right. Second round knockout, five. Third right. round knockout, four. Right. And then a win decision is three points. Right. So then on the point system, they, they narrow it down to eight guys in each weight class, and they fight twice in October. And then whoever wins twice in October will fight in the finals December 31st at Madison Square Garden on New Year's Eve. That's like Times Square. That's going to be rocking. Yeah, that's like, going to be crazy. That's, a, that's an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable event going yeah. on at the same time you got new year's eve going on in Times square madison square garden i mean that is just a that is going to be a madhouse of, a, of, a, of an event i don't know if they want it they designed it like that for maybe attendance yeah i don't know that'll be but interesting that'll be something else to be involved in um, uh, i think danello has a great shot he's yet um, to fight right he fights he fights his first fight's july 5th Okay, so he's fighting what, the day two after weeks, July Two weeks from yesterday. Okay, right. They always fight on Thursdays, I think. Yeah, it's a Thursday night series. Yeah, yeah. there's been some good fights so far. A lot of knockouts. Okay, I watched the first couple. I seen one last night. Yeah, kid was not. It was a knockout, but um, he's, he, a, he's, he's a he's what weight is he? He's fighting at middleweight, 185, and and yeah, MMA that's, that's MMA, middleweight. His weights are different. 185. Um, he's going to be. Uh, fighting a kid named uh i can't pronounce his last name is abe abos is his first name oh, A-B-U-S. I, yeah i did look it up it's some uh, crazy middle eastern yeah, european he, or something i think i believe he's i believe he's kazakhstan like for where uh yeah where glufkin's from yeah. he's he's yeah, from the soviet sense. union yeah he's from the soviet union well-rounded fighter uh he's got some good boxing skills and good he's a he's a good wrestler decent kickboxer uh 
Some of the footage that I watched him fight, he didn't seem like he was fighting high-caliber guys. Definitely no one on Danello's uh, caliber. Uh, the fights that I watched him fight on YouTube, uh, I think that he uh, he's a little taller than Danello. Um, not sure, you know, like I said, watching the film, it's hard to see how good he is. Uh, you know, he's supposed to be well-rounded, uh, supposed to be a real, has exceptional wrestling, where Danello is, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is like Brazilian wrestling, you know, it's, and they yeah, have a lot of, much. have a lot of uh, different things to it with, you know, submission holds and, 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 uh, you know, choke outs and all, just all kinds of things to break your arm and everything else. Yeah. You know? And he's and he's a master at that. I mean, he's mastered that art. Um, he's been doing it since he was a kid, and his dad was great at it. His dad was a master. He's a master at it. And then he's also a master in judo. So he's a master in judo and a master in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's got these throws. I mean, he shows me certain things and elbows and things <laughs> that he's able that he knows how to do. And and uh, it's pretty scary because you just say to yourself, "Man, this guy's a pretty decent boxer." And he's his stand-up game's pretty good. Not too bad. And he's getting better. You know, he's actually he sparred with Keontae. He sparred with Paul. Um, I mean, he's not on Keontae's level, but he's he's able to compete. And that's saying a lot because uh, he's fighting a top top notch yeah. kid that I think is ready to be you know eventually be a world class pro. And uh, he's got uh, a very good uh, kickboxing that of course he's not able to use in here when he's doing the boxing. No. But I've seen him in some of his past fights and I watch him kick the bag and things like that and and he's. Uh, he is a tremendous kicker. I mean, you, some of these kicks, you see him kick, and you're just like, oh, <laughs> don't let him kick me like that, you know. <laughs> and he's, uh, he, he's, he's well-rounded. He's well-rounded. I mean, boxing was, was, his, uh, was his thing that was his weakness, so that's why he wanted to get with me. And uh, I've been trying to really, you know, work on him with that, and I think he's improved. I mean, we haven't worked long together. I mean – uh, I believe we've probably gone on only like maybe four or five weeks, five, maybe six weeks, maybe. Yeah, so a couple months at yeah, most. At the most, yeah, I'd say six weeks we've been at it the most, and then uh, it'll be, yeah, it'll probably be eight weeks to the fight that we, we'd have two months together. But uh, in that time, I think he's definitely improved. There's no doubt about it. He's thrown his punches a lot. Um, you know, his punches are a lot wider before. They're a lot, you know, a lot sharper and in tighter. And he throws, he, he, he's improved on all his punches, having leverage on his punches. I think he has a lot more power in his shots. Uh, I think his punches are a lot shorter than they were before. Like I said, he had a lot of, a lot of stuff was a little wider and wilder. And I think he's got a lot more sharpness. And I think his head movement has improved. I just think overall he's improved. His footwork's improved. Uh, head movement, defense is improved. Uh, he's moving his head. He's blocking punches better. He's slipping punches better. Rolling with punches. I got him bobbing, weaving, rolling, slipping, bobbing, parrying, catching. Uh, we work on a lot of stuff like that because uh, a lot of that stuff's going to work in this fight, I believe. You know, a lot of parrying of punches and and uh, blocking shots. And uh, I think he's improved on it. I mean, I mean, from where I mean, there's no doubt he's improved on it. Uh, how much? Sometimes it's hard to see when you see you know, he's done a lot. He's improved in sparring with Keontae. It, it would be like to like to see him, you know, maybe when he fights this guy, 
fighting a guy that's not a caliber of Keontae, really how much he's been able to improve. Because Keontae's hard to yeah, he's hard to deal however, with certain things. You however know? good he looks with Keontae, yeah. he's probably going to look better. Better, obviously, right. with a guy that's not a pure boxer. Is this the first right. time you worked with an MMA guy? Uh, n- uh, not really. I've worked with uh, I've worked with some other guys. Uh, I'm having a, a mental block here for a moment here. But I worked a little bit. Uh, I used to teach actually a class up at the uh, Pittsburgh Fight Club. Okay. Um, it's like you said, it's had gone through some few, uh, some different owners. Yeah. I was up there at the time that uh, uh, Cody Garbrandt was up there. Okay. Who's, who's the now? He's the former uh, the, UFC champ. Yeah, about to fight for the belt. Former again. UFC champ. I had taught some uh, class. I had taught a class up there uh, once every Monday. I would teach a class up there. Okay. Uh, I worked with some of those guys up there. Um, I worked with Adam Milstead, who was just in the UFC. Yeah, he has a I UFC did I did now. some I did some workouts with him. I didn't train any of those guys for a long period, a long uh, a long extended period of time, yeah. or a personal, or a real personal uh, time. I, I worked with Adam a little bit more than probably any of them personally up there, but we never really worked for an extended period of time. I mean, it's sporadic, like you know, a couple times here, a couple times there. Um, you know, maybe maybe a half a dozen times over the, you know, and then he, but he participated in some of the classes. But so I, I, I had some. I've never worked with somebody like I work with Danello for a chance. Yeah. Uh, well, I take that back. I take that back. That's what I mean. I have a, I had a block. I just did. I just worked with uh, last year. I worked with. Uh, it's already been. Um, it's been how long has that been now? That was in November. I had uh, Chris Dempsey okay. fought on Bellator. Yeah. That was on. Uh, that was on. What did they have that on? I think it was on FS1. No, was they on, fight on. Was it, was it, it was Spike. It's Paramount now. Okay. They're on Paramount Network. Was it Spike Network that it night? It was probably then. Yeah, they just recently changed to Paramount. Yeah, he, Spike. and he and he fought uh, a really good kid. I like to. I like. I like to keep up. Kept, I don't keep up with the UFC and the MMA as much yeah. as the boxing. But the kid he fought, I believe, he was undefeated at the time, and I believe he's still undefeated. He was a heck of a fighter. Uh, and he ended up beating Chris. He ended up stopping Chris. He, I had worked with Chris for that fight for about only five or six weeks. But that was the, that was the other kid that I had worked with uh, other than Danello on a personal level for a, okay. for, for a competition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I worked with Adam, it was sporadic and it was never geared towards the competition. The fight, you know, so this would be the know. second guy that I've trained for, actual trained him for a period of time for competition. But you know, it's still it's like we work twice a week. Yeah. He works. He does. Uh, he has his own Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school. So he does like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on Monday, Wednesday, uh, Saturdays. He does sparring with uh, his MMA sparring. That I am not there. I'm, I don't. I'm not. I don't. Uh, I don't attend that, and uh, so I, be, I work with him on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So okay. I've only worked with him two days a week for for the last six, yeah. seven weeks. So it's hard sometimes to get the improvement that you like, you know, that you would like. But it's a different sport. These guys are well-rounded, so they can't gear it all towards one sport because you know he, like I said, he does. I believe he does uh, wrestling once or twice a week, and he does his jujitsu once or twice a week uh, with his judo. He does his MMA sparring once a week, and then he does the boxing twice a week. So, like, some of the days he's doing two days. He tries to do, uh, you know, all the sport, like wrestling twice, jiu-jitsu twice, boxing twice. And he does, uh, like, he does his MMA full-out sparring with everything, I think, on, I believe, on Saturdays. So he, 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 uh, 
he's trying to combine all those arts together, yeah, all those martial art. arts together. So he he doesn't you know he doesn't gear you know everything towards the one like towards the boxing. So you know it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard thing to do. I've never like I said this is only the second time I've been involved in it, and uh, like a gun uh, you know like a a guy that comes in is a hired gun you know to try to help him with his yeah. with his with his weakness there and 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 uh, uh, like I said I I think he's definitely improved um, and. I've watched his other fights that he has had some stand-up in some of the fights, and when I compare that stand-up to what I see now, I think he's met a, a, lot, a lot of improvement. So when you get him in here, this is always my um, – I've always wondered about this. Are you teaching him the same as if you have, you know, anyone else that's just boxing? Because obviously, you know – your stance and you can get taken down and that kind of stuff yeah. or you just I'm showing you how to box the way I train you know Keontae and everybody and then he kind of you know figures out mm -hmm. I can't put this much weight or like how yeah do you like tailor the 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 training to his um s not so much I try what I try to do is I do try to be creative uh I work on the fundamentals of boxing I mean if you're gonna learn how to throw your hands and be a great boxer you have to have the fundamentals you yeah, have you there's a foundation there that has to be developed and i have to continue to tweak some of the bad habits that he has back to those basic fundamentals yeah those basic fundamentals are basic fundamentals you're not getting around them no. you have to develop them so we work on that and then when i hold mitts for him i i make certain moves that i show him this is this is the foundation for boxing. This is how you, and this is going to make your balance better. This is going to make you be able to do this better. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a, like it, if you do things and you are on balance and you have leverage on your punches, and you could then you're going to be able to make different MMA moves. You're going to be able to do things. You're going to be able to be versatile if you do things right and you're always on balance when you're throwing your punches. So if you don't develop that foundation, then the other things are not going to work. So what we do is, I, I, I do, I really work on the boxing fundamentals, but at the same time, when I'm holding mitts, I'll show him, this is a boxing move that you can make when a guy tries to go grab your leg. This is how you can okay. pivot out of the way. Oh, okay. This is how you can slide out of the way. This is a boxing move that you can use this move just because you're, a guy in boxing is not getting his leg grabbed, this move it's still a move that can work for a guy. It is going to get you out of the way. Okay. So we work on a lot of pivots and punches off of those pivots. Like, you know, if I was able to show you a visual, I mean, he's able to, I mean, he's able to slide and set guys up for what in boxing would be a hook to the body or, or an uppercut where in this move he's pivoting this way or that way. And if a guy was grabbing his legs, he's throwing, instead of throwing a hook to the body, He's throwing it in the same spot it would be the body, but that guy's reaching down for his legs, so now it's going to land in the guy's head yeah. in his face. Yeah. So those kind of things uh, is, 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 are the same. It's just where something would land in the body, now it's landing in the guy's face because he's going to grab your legs. So, you know, uh, the answer is, you know, yes, I, I try to, uh, to work on just boxing fundamentals, but then where I do change is, is I do uh, try to be creative and show him – you know, we coordinate, we talk together and coordinate it together. We're to the point where he says, you know, this is what could happen to me if I make that move okay. in boxing. Right? And I say, well, you know what? This is a counter move that might work 
it works in boxing, it could still work for you. You know what I mean? So we kind of like talk about the things and say like, you know, like he say, like he tells me certain moves. I make this move. I'm, I could be set up for a kick okay. to get kicked. I said, well, then, okay, we, how about this? Can we make this adjustment on that move, or can we do this same move, but, you know, okay, here's a kick coming. Can we do a certain block off of it that would help you? You know what I mean? Because, like, a lot of times people don't realize that boxing, I, I believe that I can teach it better than anybody. I really do, because I think that I was a mar- I actually was a martial I did martial arts as well. Okay. And, 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 and a lot of guys don't realize that, in boxing you can use blocks that no one teaches that are just boxing people like boxing guys don't teach the certain blocks that I teach because they've never learned them in boxing but you can block with elbows oh yeah you know you can block you can do things you know I mean a lot of boxing guys know how to use their head of course you know and that's Vander that's M- yeah, Vander Holyfield for sure but uh, certain parries that are used in martial arts are not conventional, conventionally used with boxing. Especially you, you, you block with the elbow. I mean, you can break a guy's hand. You or can break a, a guy's hand. Break a guy. You can make. And like him, you said, that's legal. That's legal, and you can make a guy. If you make a guy hit into your elbow, he, he he can tear up his forearm. I mean, there are some. Don't get me wrong. There are some boxing guys that know it. And I was around Paul Spadafor, and we used it, and he was slick with that stuff. He knew how to use oh, his yeah. elbows and. Paul, Paul was, I mean, that's one of the things, and that's why I made him jailed because he was one of the rare guys that I've worked with in boxing that knew a lot of those things, like using your elbows, how to use your head, you know what I mean? A lot of guys know how to use their head, but he really knew how to use his head, really knew how to use his elbows. And when I was working with him, I myself said to myself, you know what? The things he's doing are things that I learned in martial arts. So I started thinking in my head all the things that I learned in martial arts. And I started to say, you know what, this will still work in boxing. Just yeah. because it's boxing doesn't mean this won't work. Yeah. So a lot of the parries work that people don't, you know, a lot of people don't teach. They teach guys how to, you know, block punches, slip punches, uh, you know, and a lot of people don't teach parry punch, parrying punches no, and counter off the parrying and countering at the same time. It's like a catch and shoot style. Yeah, like you know, parrying like Jeet Kune Do is what Bruce Lee learned, and, and a lot of uh, Wing Chun, a lot of parrying and counter and throwing punches off of parries. You don't see too many guys doing it in boxing, and you don't see too many coaches teaching it. I I, I teach it, and 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 I think that. Um, it, it can work, and and, I, and it does work. I, I have my guys that they they make it work. I have some guys that I've had in the past that have made it work, but and you have great boxers that are great but don't use it. You know, I, I mean, mean, off the top of your head, can you think of any guys you know on a world scene that really fight that style? I tell you, I tell you, if you really watch footage and you really watch film, uh, you watch uh, Julio Cesar Chavez parried a lot of punches. People don't realize. He, 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 he used a parrying style. I remember a guy, uh, uh, he's still around, and he was really, really good at parrying punches with some uh, Umberto Sosa. Was it Sosa? Sosa? Oh, Umberto Soto. Is it Soto? Yeah, he was. fought that Toledo. He fought that yeah, Mountaineer. Yeah, the dude, yeah. I tell you what, if you watch him fight even that fight, and you watch how he would parry, you know, he would, he would parry the jab, he would parry the right hand, he would parry, he would parry the jab, he would throw a right hand. Or he would parry the, he would parry a right hand and throw a right hand. He would parry a jab and throw a jab. 
you know, he, he, he knew how to, uh, he knew how to parry punches and, and, and counter them. You know, he would catch a jab with the right hand and slide the right hand right over the top. He'd catch the jab and throw the jab over the top. He did that. And I think, I think uh, believe it or not, I think, you know, sometimes even though Floyd rolls, you'll see Floyd catch some shots and parry off of them. Uh, Duran used to do it. Um, does Canelo? I feel like Canelo, Canelo does. I it. feel like after he fought yeah. Floyd, he yeah. kind of he likes that yeah. that like roll. He puts the one on the waist and he right. rolls and he throws the and he, counter and off he's of that. A yeah, I I think that uh, I think that uh, Chavez did it well. I think Paul Paul was well rounded Spadafore. I think he did. I think his defense was just. I mean, I think you know he's one of the best defensive fighters. I think probably. ever yeah. ever and. Uh, I mean, and, 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 and and when I say best defenses ever, best defenses ever to be able to learn, and and and, and I like to think that I, I played a big part of that too because like I said, a lot of those parry and those punches are things that um, I think that I, I helped bring to the table and really we worked on we actually worked on in the gym. I mean I think he would vouch for that. Um, that he just wasn't a guy that was good defensively. That was going to slip punches like a Whitaker. It would use his, Whitaker was well-rounded too. Don't get me wrong. He he would slip. He would bob. He would weave. He would get yeah. down low. He would pivot. But you didn't see Pernell parrying punches like Paul was a better parrier. Paul was a better blocker. He 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 could slip. He could slip and roll and, and pivot on you and roll with shots like 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 the greats. Uh, but I think over overall, when you talk about all the things that make up great defense, and that's what a lot of guys don't realize, you know. Which you don't slip, you can block. Which you don't block and slip, you can parry. Which you don't parry, block and slip, you you can you can roll with. Which you don't do those four with, you know you can you can you can move your head, you can slip, you can roll, you can block. When you don't do that, you can pivot. Yeah. You can move your feet. Yeah. So when you talk about well-rounded defense, you're talking about putting all those together and having all those adjustment, abil- the ability to adjust. And to use what you have to use. Sometimes you got to block a shot. Sometimes you can parry a shot. Sometimes you have to. You can't parry a block. You just got to move your head. And you might have to move your head with a slip. You might have to move your head with a roll. You might have to move your head with a bob and a weave. You know, there's bobbers and weavers. There's rollers or slippers. But there's a lot of guys that are really good at one or two things. That's it. But they're not good at like four or five. And I think that's where Paul was a great defensive boxer because. He did everything at a very good level. You know, he if you had a report card of all those things that I'm talking about, five or six different different defensive tactics, um, he he was good at he was you know a B plus or an A at all six categories. You know what I mean? So my thing with him was always he could stand right there in the pocket and fight, and he you'd talk to him after a fight yeah. and he didn't have a scratch. And, and that's why, and that's that's why he was able to do it because he had. He had so many variables and so many intangibles and so many defensive, uh, de- so many defensive weapons. Everybody talks about offensive weapons. He had def- That's what I like to say is I like to call it defensive weapons. You, you have all that arsenal. You, you know, you're able to block. You're able to slip. You're able to parry. You're able to roll. You're able to bob. You're able to weave. You're able to pivot. You're able to move out of your feet. You're able to hop step. I mean, he had hop steps. He had pivots, and and, and those are things that you know that I teach my guys today and. Uh, you know, back then, you know, I was, I feel like, you know, I was teaching and I was learning. Yeah. And I'm still learning because you never stop learning. No, you never do. If you stop learning, then, 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 then you know, the, the great teachers and the great fighters, they, they continue to learn. 
And my thing was that uh, at this point, like I just feel like, you know, I continue to learn, but I, I, I feel like I have mastered, mastered my craft as far as teaching a lot of guys different defensive techniques and learn how to counter off of it uh, very, very, very well. You know, learn how to use the jab up and down. I mean, just well-rounded skill, skill work. I, I think I've mastered a lot of it uh, to the point where, you know, like I said, even a master continues to learn. But I, I think that uh, a lot of the stuff that I teach, or I should say the level that I'm able to teach now is so much better than it was 20 years ago or 15 years ago or 10 yeah, years definitely. ago. All the great fighters that I've worked with over the years, I mean, I worked with the great Roy Jones, even though he wasn't in his prime. I was, still I, I was able to work with him and was able to learn so much working with him. I worked with Calvin Brock, who was the you know top heavyweight. He was an Olympian. He had been around everybody. He had coached with so many guys. I mean, been coached by so many different guys in Olympic on the Olympic teams and was around. So I've been around so many other great coaches and you know worked with Brian Minto in some big fights, Monty Mezaklev or Quan Kimbrough, uh, Paul Spadafore, and, and, and uh, what eight title defenses and worked with him for a span of. Uh, uh, we worked together for like six years the one time, and then, and then uh, he came back, and we worked together with uh, together for another two years, and you know, off and on, just been knowing him and talking boxing, and he loves boxing, and I love boxing, and we talk it, and and uh, you know, I just love the sport. I have a passion for the sport, so you know, I continue to want to learn. I, I continue to watch videos, constantly watching videos and learning, learning and learning and learning, and I and I and I I, I don't ever plan on stopping that um you know so uh yeah i don't we got a little off track of where we were but oh that's fine yeah i love it love yeah. it I, so. I uh but no, like you said with your uh your training style even money you know you watch a guy like him right. and you think oh this guy's a pressure fighter no defense but if you really break him down you yeah. know he has great defense you you never really have a fighter that has subpar defense that seems like right. almost kind of your like signature thing you got yeah, well, if you if you watched uh, Monty when he fought Herrera, there was actually yeah. a video put out on the on science YouTube. of his defense. Yeah. I can't remember the guy's name was. Uh, it was uh, Connor Raybush, I think, from yes, Bad Left Hook. Yes, and he loved it. He, how did he? He was talking about. He actually had two videos. One was like, or maybe, maybe it was just. It was one video. It was like on Monty's de art, on art of defense, or how was it? How did I he say that? What it was called. How what he called it, but. He was, and he really, when he showed that and broke that down, he was showing you how slick some of yeah. the stuff Monty did. I mean, Monty was a, Monty was a, 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 Monty, the problem with Monty, the problem with Monty, okay, was that Monty rolled with punches. Now, yeah. to go back to what we talk about with, with Paul, and, and Monty was, was, and Monty could have learned that. This is what the shame of the whole thing was. Monty could roll with punches. Monty could weave with punches. Monty could sleep, uh, bob and weave, and he could slip. He had a hard time blocking and parrying punches because he had bone spurs in both of his elbows from it from an incident that happened with the police and the police beat him up. I remember that. And and when they beat him up, they they destroyed his arms. They gave him bone spurs and both. He had that his whole career. So he really couldn't. So he could he couldn't when he couldn't when he would when he would try to block a punch, his arm would get forced back and then he and it this it would trigger that spur to go and, and cause tremendous pain. Yeah. So every time he tried to block a punch, his arm didn't have the strength. It would give. It would go like it would bend, and he and he'd have tremendous pain. So basically, he's just getting blocking it, but taking his own glove in the face or right. Whatever. It would his yeah his own glove in the face. But not only that, he would it would when he his arm would get hit, it, when it would when it would either hyperextend or it would go the opposite. It would go in, in. the bone spur 
would would hit into and it would cause tremendous hurt. pain. Yeah, and then hurt. he same thing when he would try to even when he would try to parry a punch, it would hit. So he was just limited to relying on his slip, his bob, and his roll game. Because I it wasn't that I wasn't teaching him that stuff. I would it was crazy because I I would go hours at hours and times that I mean hours and hours and hours in sessions that I would say try to parry it this way try to parry this and he would just say Tom I'm trying to learn that I'm trying to tell you if I don't catch it exactly right and even if I try to catch it right my arm does not have the strength it causes me so much pain so that caused him so much more than just the blocking his punches would come from a lower range. Yeah. It would take longer to get to the guy. So his offense wasn't as good either because of no. that. So, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a real shame because as good as Monty was, I believe Monty, Monty had, had, he could have been a world champion. There's no doubt. I think the weight thing caught, caught up with him. He made some, he made some critical mistakes that, I, that I, I, don't, uh, I don't like to take the blame for because I believe that he, he had control of his weight over time sometimes. Yeah, I mean, really, it comes down to him at the end of the day. Yeah, at the end of the you day, really so it's what you put in your mouth and what yeah. you do. And, and he made some critical mistakes at critical times in his career. Uh, when he went to uh, Mexico, I mean, he, he blew up in weight. Who's that, Beltron? When he fought uh, – <clears throat> no, when he fought um, – That was his first loss, wasn't it? He fought. What was the kid's name? Salise, wasn't it? Salise. Oh yeah, I think you're right. Salise, right? Uh, and, and he he was on weight, and then and then two weeks late, two weeks before the fight, he he blows up in weight, and we had to lose about nine pounds the day before the weigh-in. So you know that cost him in that fight. He was just not. A, he was a shell of himself in that fight, and uh, that really hurt his confidence. I think of losing that fight. <clears throat> and then he came back a year later. He lost a close fight to Beltran. Um, 26 was very difficult for him to make. Don't get me wrong, but I think that he uh, he could have made it with with just great discipline. I'm not going to say it's not wasn't great discipline. He would have had to have great discipline, uh, and his discipline wasn't as great as I would have liked it to been. And I think that's what cost him. Uh, I think it cost him. I think it cost him in most of his fights. But with that being said, I think he would have been a, even a higher caliber fighter. If he wouldn't have had them bone spurs, offensively and defensively, yeah, it, it, it limited it limited him. Yeah. So. And he really didn't have the uh, frame to move up. He right. Was a very big guy. Right. His height was, you know, it was hard for him to be actually move up past. You know, I think he was good at 26, 30, and 35, but at 40 he would have been way too small. I think. You know, I mean, possibly at 40 because he could fight. If he if he oh, wouldn't yeah. have had them if he wouldn't have had them bone spurs, maybe. You know, but but at the same time. Uh, you know, if he wouldn't have had that happen to him, but it is what it is, it happened to him, I think still he could have fought and even, you know, could have even done greater than he did if, if he wouldn't have, uh, if he had a little bit more discipline with making the weight. But uh, Monty, Monty, was, Monty was really, really good, you know, and uh, I, I think that he did a lot of things in there that were underrated with his defense. Vision yeah, was good. I think so fought too. some great, exciting fights, man. I mean, those fights. That Herrera fight, fight, even the uh, loss to Rod. Oh, those fights. Were I remember great seeing fights. Uh, great fights. One of the first fights I went to live was when he smoked Aiken. Yeah, at oh the, man. Uh, convention. And Center. Aiken was a world champion yeah, for a short period champ. of time. Yeah, former world champion. Yeah, he smoked him, and and that's and see that was one of the fights that he made 126 pounds, pretty strong. But I think the if I can't if I remember correctly. I believe it was a catch weight, so we got another one or two pounds. I think it was either 27 or 28, 
and he and he was lights out that night. And, yeah. And, oh yeah, he steamrolled and, him. That was what a Friday night fight. That was on yeah, ESPN. I remember ESPN Friday night fights. And and if that Monty shows up at twenty six, no, and, he's a he's a problem. He's a problem. Oh yeah. He's a problem. You know, and, and I believe he probably could he would have won a world title if that Monty would have been able to show up in the Solis fight and the yeah. Beltran fight, and then and then he would have fought for the world title that night. I think he'd have been a problem, man. I think he'd have been a world world champion. I really believe he could have won a world title at, if he would have been at that level that he was that night at Aiken, yeah. fighting Aiken. Um, uh, and even better, because I think he became a better fighter, but what happens when you lose weight, you're still a little less of a fighter, even though your skill set has increased. I thought his skill set actually got better from the Aiken yeah. fight. His skill set got better, but he was never at that strength at that weight it, ever yeah. again. You know, ever again. Yeah. So that, that's the biggest thing. All right, Ted, that was uh, that was fun talking some defense there with a guy like you said. I, I do consider you, you know, a guy that – a defensive master. Some of the guys you've had come through here. Oh, I appreciate that. I think, uh, like I said, I can't ever think of any guy you had that really wasn't a defensive uh, fighter. But anyway, that's been about 45 minutes here. Uh, it was good talking to you. So Great talking to you, Tyler. Hopefully uh, soon, sooner rather than later. We'll be back. Definitely. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. It ends in a knockout here on Tom and Tyler Talk Boxing. Be a champion and comment, rate, and subscribe.